Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We are glad that you are here this morning. We welcome you and hope God's going to bless you in a very special way today. We welcome our guests, especially this morning, and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship the Lord together. Uh, you are very important to us, and we're glad that you are here. Uh, just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, uh, I would like to remind everyone of the attendance sheets that are on each row. We would like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. And uh, just take it and put your name and address and phone number and email address on there and pass it down the row and, and then pass it back down the row if you don't know some people on your row there so you can see uh, who they are and you can introduce yourself to them. Uh, several things that are coming up this week. We have a, a kind of a busy time coming up here, but that's always a good time. Uh, starting right after the worship service, our kids are invited to uh, stay around after church, and they're going to have pizza and, uh, and watch a movie today. And uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. That's for any child age uh, from kindergarten through the sixth grade. So we invite you to, to stay and have fun with that. Also, uh, tomorrow night, uh, the Women's Mission Group will be meeting, and I think they're meeting at Teresa's house up there in our, our audio-visual booth. They're going to be meeting at Teresa's house tomorrow night, so if you're, a, if you're a Baptist woman, then you can go there, and that's always a great time as well. Saturday, we will be serving lunch at the Salvation Army, and uh, if you would like to help in that, that's always a wonderful ministry. It is so rewarding to be a part of that. And if you would like to uh, be a part of that ministry, then uh, please see Christine, and we could certainly use your help. And next Sunday, uh, there's something going on next Sunday that's kind of big. What is it? Um, Super Bowl. Yeah, Super Bowl. And there's an announcement in your fo worship folder about the Super Bowl. But as you look at that announcement, you may see that there's something a little weird about it because it's spelled... S-O-U-P-E-R. Super Bowl, but it's spelled like soup that you eat. <laughs> and the reason why, there's a, there's a couple of different reasons why. Uh, we're going to have a Super Bowl party here at the church. Uh, I think kickoff is around 5 o'clock or maybe a little after that. And so we're going to have a party here at the church like we normally do. And um, what we would like to do is ask people to bring soup that we can eat. And we can, and you can bring snack food too, junk food. I mean, what's a Super Bowl without junk food? You got to have that. Um, but bring soup that you can eat as well. But also, we want to turn this not only a time of, um, of of having fun together, but also a time of ministry. So, if you would bring some cans of soup that we will donate to the uh, Henderson Christian Outreach, because as we are enjoying our time of of uh, watching the Super Bowl and eating soup and all the junk food. We have to remember that there are a lot of people that would love to have a bowl of soup, and, and we can help them by bringing some cans of soup that we will donate to the Henderson Christian Outreach. So that's next Sunday. I hope you can do that. One more thing. I told you we were busy. Uh, blood drive. We have blood drive coming up on February the 4th, and uh, Jika is uh, going around making appointments. And so if you have not made your appointment for the blood drive, See Jika, and I'll guarantee you she'll sign you up. So, Okay, Mark, Mark has an announcement too. We're looking for a uh, bass guitar player to join our praise team. So if you know of one or if you are one or inspired to be one, we have a uh, 
We, in fact, we even have a bass, right, Tim? We have two bases. So if you, you know, but if you've played guitar in the past or want to learn, we desperately would like to have a bass guitar to join our group. So think about it, pray about it, and see one of us if you'd like. They, and they are desperate about this because Tim asked me last night if I... <laughs> we tried to get him. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so please, please. Yeah, so he doesn't have to do it. <laughs> Uh, we're glad that you're here today, and it's always great to have fun together and enjoy this time. So let me invite you to stand up and turn around and shake the hands of the people around you and greet each other in the name of the Lord. couldn't be here, Lord. We ask that you be with them. At this time, Lord, we ask you to be with our pastor as he leads us in this service and all these things in Christ's name. Amen. You be seated. Your heart, 
just as you are to worship God, just as you are before your God, God. One day every tongue will confess you are God, one day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give your heart. Come. Just as you are to worship, come, just as you are before your
As you may have been able to deduce, our scripture reading for today is from the book of Jonah, the prophet Jonah. Uh, our children's uh, message was about Jonah, talked about Jonah. We have fish things over here, a fish uh, tackle box and some fish that are swimming around here. And so that's kind of the theme of the day. And I will be reading from Jonah chapter 3 verses 1 through 5, and then skipping over to verse 10. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on a sackcloth. And then in verse 10, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed God's mind about the calamity the Lord said would come upon them, and God did not do it. Let us pray. O God, who is the creator, sustainer, and redeemer of all that we see and even beyond, from east to west, from north to south, you created it all. You are ever coming to us, and we, we are ever turning away from you. Please forgive our wandering ways, and we pray that you would come among us once again as we gather in your name today. Help us to draw near to you in true repentance and with full assurance of faith that we may see the world through fresh eyes, through the eyes of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we may hear the word of your truth with a heart that is turned toward you. And that we may pray in confidence through your Holy Spirit as we wish worship you in spirit and in truth. We come to you, O God, with joy and with celebration. Through Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you. 
sing that chorus one more time, and as we sing that, we're going to use just our voices. If you sing an alto part or tenor part, we'd love for you to do that with us as we sing that chorus one more time, just our voices as we sing this. Lift this as the Lord to something we really want to do, is let God's grace really take care of us, not just sing about it, but really show it by our lives and let him do that in our lives. As we sing, grace, grace, God's grace. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that will be our prayer today, that we just simply let your grace take care of it all. Because you've always said you can do that, and so many times we are so hesitant to turn it loose. And today we pray we're going to do that and whatever it is for each personal lives. Be with those who need you in some special way that they can, uh, if they need to make decisions for you today, they can do that. Others that just need encouragement to get through their days. Uh, whatever that is, we give that to you. We give this offerings to you for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A Sunday school teacher uh, was proud of her lesson for the day. She thought that she had presented the, the uh, material quite nicely, and so 
Summing up her lesson, she asked her class, and what do we learn from the story of Jonah and the big fish? Well, eight-year-old Susie thought about that for a moment and answered, always travel by air. Well, I hope that that is not the only thing that we can learn from the story of Jonah. Most of you know at least part of the story. It is one of the most colorful and memorable stories in the whole Bible. Jonah, of course, was the man who got swallowed by the big fish. One of Gary Larson's far side cartoons depicts a bearded man standing at his front door. He is dripping wet, his clothes are in shreds, his wife opens the door, and she looks at this disheveled bearded man with disgust and says, For crying out loud, Jonah, three days late, covered with slime, smelling like fish, and what story do I have to swallow this time? (laughs) Well, you know, it is kind of hard to swallow Jonah's story, isn't it? It is certainly a fish tale of the grandest proportions. However, as a parable of God's grace, it is magnificent. God came to a man named Jonah and told him to go to Nineveh, a wicked city, and cry against it. But Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. And the reason he didn't want to go to Nineveh is because he was afraid that the people of Nineveh would actually repent and then God would not punish them. It would not be wrong to say that Jonah hated the people of Nineveh. Bible scholar William Neal describes Jonah as a man who is the embodiment of intolerance, bigotry, and lack of human sympathy. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh to proclaim God's word to them. And so what did he do? He went in the absolute opposite direction. He boarded a ship bound for Tarshish, which was about as far away from Nineveh as you could go in the ancient world. And his idea was that, as the scripture puts it, he would escape the presence of the Lord. What a bright idea. He would go somewhere where God was not. Well, folks, let me tell you something. There is no running from God. And that's the first thing that we need to see this morning. There is no running from God. What Jonah did not understand was that God is a universal God from from whom there is no escape. It's like some people who may act one way when they are in church and they act, but they act in an entirely different way when they are in the office, as if God could see them while they're here in church, but God couldn't see them in the office. It's also kind of like that verse in Numbers 32, verse 23, which says, Be sure your sins will find you out. I wonder how many times we think our misdeeds are hidden and that we're safe, but we could, we could not be more mistaken. You've probably heard many sermons before from the book of Jonah about the futility of running from God. And yet we all do it sometimes, don't we? 
We all do it at some time in our lives. We don't have to board a ship and head out for a distant port to run from God. We do it with our minds. We do it with our hearts. We simply tune out. We ignore that, that small inner voice that calls us to God's service so that we don't have to do what God really wants us to do. We kind of tune that out and we run from God in our own way. But my friends, let me tell you, there is no place that God is not. Yet still, Jonah tried to flee from God's presence, just as we do. But what happened to him? The ship that he was on encountered a vicious storm, and it was tossed about on the waves like a toy. The wind and the waves were so fierce and that the, the seasoned sailors began to beg their gods for mercy. Finally, these sailors cast lots in order to determine who were the gods angry with. And, and the lot, of course, fell upon Jonah. What is it that you have done that, is, that this evil has come upon us, the sailors asked. And, and Jonah confessed that he had displeased his God by trying to run away from God's presence. What shall we do with you, the sailors asked, because the storm was, was growing even more fierce. And Jonah declared, throw me overboard, and the sea will, sea will be calmed. Well, the sailors were in no mood to quibble. <laughs> they were afraid for their lives. So they took Jonah, and they threw him over the side of the ship into the raging sea, and the Bible tells us that the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. Wow. What a story. I believe it was Dwight L. Moody who said that it was perfectly easy for the great fish to swallow Jonah. After all, he says, Jonah is one of the minor prophets. I'm glad you got that. I was worried about that one. <laughs> but according to the story, Jonah stayed in the belly of the fish for three days. Then the fish could no longer stomach Jonah and coughed him up onto the dry land, alive and well, probably well chastened. And at this point, we join our scripture passage for today when the Lord came to Jonah for the second time and told him again to go and preach to the people of Nineveh. And this time, Jonah figured he better listen to God. I mean, it didn't help him too much not to listen to God the first time. So this time, he figured he better listen to God. I guess three days and three nights in the belly of the fish was enough to get Jonah's attention. And so he went to Nineveh, and he preached like he had never preached before. Forty days more, he cried, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Forty days is all you have to repent and guess what happened? Something amazing happened. The people of Nineveh believed in God. They proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth, which was a sign of, of great remorse and repentance. All of them, from the, the greatest to the least, even the king of Nineveh repented. He dressed in sackcloth and issued a decree to, of, of total surrender to the will of God. 
And that's pretty impressive, isn't it? I mean, anytime you can get a politician to repent, you've, you've accomplished something quite remarkable. So Jonah's revival, it was an astounding success. Every sinner repented. Every heart was changed. And, and you would think that a preacher would be jumping for joy with such a great victory in proclaiming God's word. But not Jonah. Not Jonah. Here are three of the most fascinating sentences in all of the Bible. But this was very displeasing to Jonah. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? This is why I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. Can you believe that? Jonah was angry because God had changed God's mind about destroying Nineveh. In fact, he was so angry that he asked God to take his life. He was so angry that he literally wanted to die. And then Jonah went out and sat on a hillside overlooking the city of Nineveh to see what would happen. And God decided to have a little fun with this cantankerous prophet. He made a plant grow up next to where Jonah was, was sitting to shade him while he sat there and pouted. And the plant pleased Jonah immensely. I mean, it's one thing to have a temper tantrum, but it's another thing to sit out all day in the hot sun. And if, it's, if he was going to sit there until he died, he might as well be comfortable while he did it. But when dawn came on the next morning, the Lord sent a worm to attack the plant, and it, was, and it withered and died. And then God sent a hot east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so hard that, that he fainted and the weather made Jonah so uncomfortable and so angry that he again asked God to let him die. But then God spoke to Jonah and God asked Jonah if he was angry about the plant dying and, and Jonah answered that of, of course he was. And then God taught Jonah a lesson. In two of the most important verses in the Bible, God said to Jonah, You have been concerned about this vine, even though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their left hand from their right. Should I not be concerned about that great city? And this is how the little book of Jonah ends. Barbara Brown Taylor says, as far as I'm concerned, the little book of Jonah has the best last line in the whole Bible. And I think she's probably right. God says, should I not be concerned about that great city? Jonah, if you are so concerned about this little plant, Shouldn't I be concerned about all of these people who don't know their left hand from their right? What a magnificent story that is. 
The, the lessons, of course, should be obvious. The first one we've already noted, there's, there's no place that you can run from God. That's the first lesson. There's nowhere that God is not, if I might be allowed a double negative there. God is a universal God. And here's the second lesson. God's love is a universal love. Or again, to put it with a double negative, there is no person that God does not love. Now let that sink in a second, folks. There is no person that God does not love. No one. God loves everyone. In fact, you can make a case that God loves diversity. God created a rainbow of different people, and, and that's, the way the, that's the way God prefers it. I was reading recently about bananas. Um, and you may be wondering what bananas have to do with diversity. Uh, and, and yes, I know it's kind of hard to determine what that is. That's a bunch of bananas there. You may wonder, what, are, what do bananas have to do with diversity? You're talking about diversity. What do they have to do for, with diversity? Look here. They all look alike, don't they? How diverse are they? Well, that's the problem. Because, folks, you may not be aware of this, but bananas may be on their way out. How many people like bananas in here? I say, I don't, so I don't care. But, <laughs> but I, see, I see a lot of you like bananas, and they may be on their way out. They may soon go the way of the dodo bird or the dinosaur. One report suggested that if we are not on our guard, bananas may disappear in as little as 10 years. And here's the problem. The vast majority of banana trees, regardless of where they are located, are virtual carbon copies of one another. They're all the same. They are all the same. In other words, the modern banana tree lacks genetic diversity. And therefore, any parasite or any disease that strikes one banana tree has the potential to wipe out the whole world's supply. The fruit is literally threatened by its uniformity. Mark Tabb makes a comment about this. He says the banana crisis should not surprise us because uniformity always makes a species weaker. The more alike plants or people may be, the more at risk they actually are. And this is especially true of the human race. Most of us feel threatened by those who are not like us, whether the pigmentation in their skin is different or their ideas run counter to our own. Diversity makes us uncomfortable. They say that variety is the spice of life, but if truth be told, most people prefer their life to be rather bland. Those strange people with their strange ways of doing things perplex us and worse. And yet God created diversity. And there's a reason for this. Because you see, different people have different gifts. And that's why diversity is so important to God. Especially in the economy such as ours. We need a steady influx of people with uh, energy and ambition and different ways of thinking and different ways of doing things. 
My friends, diversity has been America's greatest secret since the very beginning of our history. And the point that I want you to take away with you today is this. There is no one, no one that God does not love. Thomas Carlyle put it like this. He said, Jonah stalked to his shaded seat and waited for God to come around to his way of thinking. But God is still waiting on a host of Jonah's to come around to his way of loving. And this is the lesson that Jonah needed to learn. God is a universal God and God's love is a universal love. God even loved those Ninevites that Jonah hated so much. And God even loved Jonah, hard heart and all. And that may be an important lesson for us to see today because some people can accept just about anybody except a bigot. But God even loved Jonah. Because folks, let me tell you something. God's grace is sufficient for all, everybody. This is the truth of the New Testament. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. We are all dependent upon God's grace and God's acceptance of us. You know, I think it is absolutely ironic that the best known hymn in all of Christendom was written by a former slave trader. Now think about that for a minute, folks. Don't tell me that God doesn't have a sense of irony. I mean, think about it. Who could, be, who could possibly be more demonic than a slave trader? Taking innocent human beings from one part of the world, snatching them from their families, from their friends, stuffing them down into a cargo hold of a ship, chained head to foot, foot to head, many of them dying in rout and thrown overboard for the sharks to eat, and then selling them into bondage into a, in, in a distant land. And yet Jesus touched the heart of John Newton, who sub subsequently wrote those wonderful, famous words of repentance and remorse, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. My friends, we don't know if the scales ever fell off of Jonah's eyes like they did with John Newton. The Bible doesn't tell us how it came out with Jonah. doesn't tell us if Jonah ever came around to God's way of loving or not. He did learn that he could not flee from God's presence. I think God made that pretty clear. He also learned that God loves everybody. Jews and Gentiles, blacks and whites, Iraqis and Russians, the people of Nineveh, the people of Israel, the Palestinians on the Gaza Strip, and even the bully that, that mistreats us at school. We all belong to one great family, and Jesus died for every one of our sins. I hope 
that as Jonah thought about his attitudes, he came to realize that God's grace was sufficient for him as well. And I hope that you have come to that same realization in your own life. No matter, no matter how bad you have been, no matter how bad you are, God loves you. God loves you more than anything else in the world. And God wants you to turn away from those things that keep you from being all that you can be. Maybe like Jonah, you need to turn away from that bigotry and prejudice and those bad feelings that you have towards those who are different from you. But whatever it is, please know this. God's grace is sufficient for you, just as it is for all of us. And so the question that I would leave with you today is this. Would you accept God's grace for your life today? Would you accept God's grace for you? That's the question you need to be pondering. And I hope you are pondering that in your own heart. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. It's number 390. We are called to be God's people. And that's, that's what this is all about. You know, we are God's people. We are God's people by virtue of the fact that God loves us so much. But we're called to be God's people in a, more, in, in, in a different way from that as well. Because you see, we are called to be God's people to accept this grace that God has given to us. We are called to be God's people to, to recognize that God loves us no matter what we've done in our lives. And God is willing to forgive that of you. And God wants to help you make your life the best that it can possibly be. God wants you to be that kind of person. God wants us to do away with those things in our lives that <clears throat> stand in the way of, being, of us being the best that we can be. And God wants to help you do that. God also wants us to be God's people who will take this grace that we have been given, that we have received, that we have been uh, <clears throat> beneficiaries of, and to take it out into the world and to share that grace with others. And I hope we would not be like Jonah and turn around and go the opposite direction, but that we would be like God wanted Jonah to be, to turn to God and do what God wants us to do. If God is dealing in your heart today, we invite you to come forward as we sing 390. We are called to be God's people. Would you come as we sing?
We have come together to worship the Lord, now we go to serve. We have been given the light of God's redemption, and now we go to let that light shine. We have been blessed with the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, and now we go to share that love with others. We are God's people. Go now and bear witness to all in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.